good to be here and to greet you in the name of Jesus. Our, uh, I was about ready to say great high priest. Uh, you can add some bigger words if you want to and you still won't fully get there. Um, today is, or yesterday, was a uh, milestone in, re- in respect to the Strasburg Church. Um, and what happened yesterday, I don't see as a threat, okay? Welcome, Brother Steve, uh, to the ministerial team. And so, um, yeah, he's, uh, he's not a threat, okay? Uh, to me or to you, I don't think. And uh, probably um, he will uh, reach, no, not probably. He will reach out in different ways than what I did and uh, probably be more effective. And so I am, uh, I'm happy to welcome him aboard. So this isn't the focus of the message either, but I thought about it. Day after tomorrow is the 4th of July when the United States declared their independence. And I thought about us and where we are, and my mind went to this verse, and I'm going to read another one. Uh, well, I'm going to read a couple more besides it. The end of Romans 7 says this, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind, I serve my, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. And these are the verses I wanted. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. So this morning we can be free people because of what Christ did. Some of the things I'm going to say this morning I've said before. Some illustrations I'm going to use. At least some of you have heard them, some of you haven't. Um, and I thought about that phrase that Nathan mentioned in the last song that we sang, uh, hear the speaking from the skies. You know, I've heard God speaking the last couple weeks from the skies. And so today, I'm going to focus more on the physical. You might say material, I don't know. But I want to look a little bit at the awesome power of God. And you could think of a lot of physical examples today. And we can go to the scripture and find all kinds of them. I mean, you can go to uh, the children of Israel coming out of Egypt. You can go to the, the plagues. You can go to crossing the Red Sea. You can go to crossing the Jordan. All these things are demonstrations of the power of God. 
Well, what about things today? You know, in 2000, I think it was 2012, a derecho came through the valley. And that's a strong, straight-line wind that did lots of damage. Well, I understand in the last week another one came through the Midwest and flattened corn that was like this, just laid it out flat. Grain bins gone. Demonstrations of the power of God. Now, some people would uh, have other um, thoughts about why they happened. Um, I'm just going to leave it with the power of God. Tsunamis, hurricanes, floods. It's a demonstration of God's power. We have things in life. Some of you have heard me tell about crossing the border into Canada and back out with somebody that didn't have a passport or a birth certificate with him. That don't happen. Or well, usually don't, but it did that day or that trip. Because I've been into Canada numerous times and going into Canada, it's usually not too much trouble. Coming out of Canada... They typically either make you get off of the bus or walk the aisle of the bus and get personal identification from each passenger. That time, they never left the front steps of the bus when we came back in. But I, to this day, think some others suffered some unfortunate situations because they pulled a vehicle in front of us around back before we got to the gate. Demonstration of the power of God. Many years ago, going north on Interstate 81, we got off of the interstate because it was closed down because of an accident. And in going through Carlisle, Pennsylvania, at a very slow speed, we heard a noise in the van. I got out and walked beside the van when it was going real slow. We were going that slow that I could walk beside it. The lugs were loose on the wheels. I said wheels, okay? On three of them. And when I say loose, I mean loose enough that you could turn some of them with your fingers. You can't tell me that's not a demonstration of the power of God. I mean, you can tell me that, but I will have a hard time believing you. The time that square bale came rolling off of that loader and stopped here, I didn't have any place to go. I was sitting on a tractor seat, and it stopped, and today that steering wheel still bent. It stopped and broke a couple of strings, and the bale sat there. I have an article that came out of a newspaper two days ago, and the title is, There Are No Accidents with God. Y'all believe that this morning? There are no accidents with God. As far as I know, this isn't a Mennonite man, okay? And I don't know anything about him. Um... Uh, 
except for what I read in this paper. And so I'm not lifting him up, but I am lifting up the thoughts that he has about God and his abilities. 93-year-old man from Harrisonburg, Virginia, in California. Okay? He was at a meeting, and at about 10 minutes after 6, he was leaving his motel room to go to the evening program. And when he was leaving, another vehicle came and hit him on the left side, pushed his right side into a dumpster, and the left wheel was at some kind of an angle. He doesn't say how steep of an angle, but an angle. So he went out and drove it around and found out it was drivable, but he's a good many miles away from home. So he went back to his room, took care of the, the normal things, notified the police and the insurance company, all that kind of stuff. It was Memorial Day weekend, so it didn't happen real long ago. This happened on May the 28th. And... Um, he was trying to figure out what he was going to do. He couldn't get anything done until Tuesday, May the 30th, because Monday was a holiday. As he sat there, he said two questions came to his mind. What was the lesson God was trying to teach me? And the second one, is there a nearby church that I could walk to tomorrow morning? This was on a Saturday. So he said, I went online and looked up Bishop Churches. He was in Bishop, California. I don't know where it is. And he found a church that was close enough that he could walk to the next morning. He got there 15 minutes early and shared his story with the pastor and uh, said that I had two questions. The first was, what is the best body shop in town? It turned out that there was only one and they did not think it, think very highly of it. And the second question was to find a place that he could stay that was more affordable than the motel, somebody, a room or something. And, you know, you go to church and find those kind of things out, see. Uh, let me put in here, this is not about um, pastors doing all the work, okay? It's okay for you to reach out to people. It's good for you to reach out to people. It's good for you to meet their needs. And you'll see a little bit of that here. He goes on, he says, I didn't get either question answered. It seemed that God had other plans. I was using common sense to try to solve my problem. It turned out that I did not even know the question I should ask. Did you ever feel that way? You pray to God and uh, feel like you don't get an answer to your question, but you get another answer, and it wasn't even the answer to the question. You didn't know what question to ask. So he was at this small church, and he says about 35 people were there. Right after the service started, two men walked in and sat down across on the other side of the small sanctuary, an older one, and he started singing vigorously. And the younger one was more passive. Prayer time came, and the pastor made no mention of my requests. At the end of the service, the pastor took less than a minute to mention me and my problem. 
I stayed for a few minutes to see what would happen. I was being genuinely ignored. He's at church, okay? He was being genuinely ignored. Finally, the two late arrivals talked to me. The older man did most of the talking. They asked if they could look at the car. I got in their car a nice, new, small Mercedes. We drove to the motel. He got into my car, and the older gentleman took it out and drove it a couple of blocks. When he got back to the motel, he said that he thought he could make the car drivable. The older man, he was tall and light-complexioned. He said, I was surprised to find out that he and his family had come from Havana, Cuba, when he was about five years old, he'd lived in California most of his life and retired from the California Department of Transportation. He'd spent most of his life as supervisor in the maintenance of maintenance in this rural section of California. He is now 58 and is spending most of his time as an independent missionary in the Philippines. His goal is to wind up all his affairs and reside permanently in the Philippines. The younger man looked like a Mexican, but he was, in fact, an American. His mother had come from Mexico, and his mother actually cleaned at the motel he was staying at. This man worked with computers in Southern California and was doing very well. He wanted his mother to quit cleaning these motel rooms, and he wanted to take care of her. But... She kept on working because she didn't want to sit at home and watch television all day long. And she wanted to socialize with her friends. They were shocked when I, a 93-year-old man, responded to them in Spanish. I told them a little of my work in Venezuela and Central America as a missionary. I think the fact that I had been a missionary and spoke Spanish helped us to bond together. I prayed before we ate in Spanish. The first time I prayed in Spanish in over 50 years. This older man didn't want to work on my car because it was Sunday. When's the last time you found one of those? You know, us Mennonites, we would say, well, the ox is in the ditch. We'll go get it out, right? This man said, I don't want to work on your car on Sunday. Nine o'clock Monday morning. He showed up in his beat-up, dirty Toyota pickup truck. In this truck, he had every imaginable tool you could think of. He got out his jack, and it was a big jack, one with wheels on it the mechanics used in their shops. He had a torch to heat up the bent rod to straighten the wheel. He worked for over two hours on the car, lying on the pavement most of the time. When he finished, we went out for a test drive. He actually got it up to 90 miles an hour to see how it handled. When we came back, he assured me the car would take me across the country back to Virginia. I was not as certain. Nevertheless, I set out about noon and headed east and arrived homely, home, <laughs> arrived home safely six days later. And then this is what I wanted to focus on. I know it's a lot of details you might not care about, but the amazing thing to me is that God did not answer my prayer. I didn't know how to pray. God mysteriously guided me and put his servants in my path and showed them what needed to be done. 
I probably was put in contact with the only person in Bishop that could make my car drivable. The night after the accident, I asked myself, why did this happen? If I had been seconds earlier or later, it would not have happened. All kinds of things are going through my mind. Suddenly, Sunday morning, June the 18th, so this is about three weeks later, I went from wishing that this didn't happen to being thankful for being given the opportunity to see God work. He didn't do what I asked, but he provided what was needed. I witnessed God working in ways that I could not imagine. This experience has turned out to be a blessing. And then he says this, there are no accidents with God. There are opportunities to learn, to serve, and to trust. I don't know the man, but it taught me some things. We heard this morning that things that happen teach other people some things too. Some years ago, I heard a song sung 360 feet underground in a cave by about 50 people. It's a song that I enjoy. I think a song that you probably enjoy. But this song, in its infancy, divided churches. Christian congregations have shut out divinely inspired psalms and have taken in Watts' Flights of Fancy, a song written by Isaac Watts. And the church has said, we're doing away with the psalms. We're taking on his flights of fancy. A preacher rode from Kentucky to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania to address the General Assembly of the Presbyterian Church to ask the body to refuse the great and pernicious error of adopting the use of Watts's hymns in public worship. Now, I never looked. How many songs would come out of our songbooks if we'd take Isaac Watts's songs out? Uh, anybody know right off the top of their head how many songs Isaac Watts wrote? Uh, and that, that's okay. So now you're wondering what's the song? Does anybody know what the song is? Well, no, I think that was written by Thomas Chisholm, maybe. Uh, that's okay. That's, it's, it's close. The song is, I'll, I sing the mighty power of God that made the mountains rise, that spread the flowing seas abroad and built the lofty skies. I sing the wisdom that ordained the sun to rule the day. The moon shines full at his command and all the stars obey. I'm going to stop there just a little bit. So, I don't get as thrilled about going out and looking up at the sky at night as what some people do. You know, I couldn't go out there and show you the Big Dipper tonight, all right? Even if it was clear. I could probably find the Little Dipper, but that's about all I know about the sky. But you know, it has stayed. 
The moon shines full at his command and all the stars obey. Verse 2, I sing the goodness of the Lord who filled the earth with food, who formed the creatures with through. Thank you, they have some different words in here. Formed the creatures with the, his word and then pronounced them good. Lord, how thy wonders are displayed where'er I turn my eyes. If I survey the ground I tread or gaze upon the sky. I'll stop there just a little bit. Two weeks ago, we were gazing on the sky, looking for a cloud. Yesterday, we were hurrying because there was a dark cloud, because we had some things we wanted to get done before it started raining. Still under the almighty hand of God. There's not a plant or flower below, but makes thy glories known. Clouds arise and tempests blow by order from thy throne. While all that borrows life from thee is ever in thy care, and everywhere that man can be, thou, God, art present there. And, uh, you know, I, I uh, go to this psalm too often probably, and so I'm not planning to go there this morning, but I think of Psalm 139. The psalmist had a clear picture of what God can do and does. Was that just a psalmist idea? Sean or Cedric, is that just a psalmist idea? And I'll tell you why I'm asking you all this in a little bit. You all probably might already know. Was Psalm 139 just a psalmist idea? All right, Sean, you're shaking your head. You think think back to Wednesday night. What did we talk about Wednesday night? And that's okay. I'm putting them on the... Go ahead. Okay. Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. We were looking at the Word Wednesday night in, in our instruction class. And uh, I don't want you all to answer this one. Uh, no, I don't want John to answer this one. So, I read the section out of and this is a little bit of a side note from from what uh, the message is, but thought this morning was a good good time to answer this question. Um, well, I've got to get to where it is. So our first article in our Rules and Discipline starts out this way, and it's the one on, of the Word of God. We believe in the plenary and verbal inspiration of the Bible as the Word of God. And one of the, the class members asked the question, what does plenary mean? And I told him I didn't. I said, I'm sure I've heard, but right now I can't pull it up. Anybody besides John want to make a stab at it? And I have a reason for telling John he can't answer it. Because we talked to Keith and John and I talked about this after class that night. Anybody? We believe. It. You said you believed it. We believe in the plenary. I guess I'm saying it right. 
and verbal inspiration of the word of the Bible is the word of God. You're asking me a question. <laughs> well, that's that's down the right track. It's the complete and verbal inspiration of the word comes from God. So, uh, whichever one of you all asked that question, there's your answer, okay? And when I was uh, lying in bed last night, and I'm learning, but I haven't learned yet that I need to, when I something comes to my mind in the middle of the night, I better get up and write it down because song was going through my mind, and I woke up this morning, and <laughs> I couldn't remember it. And then it came back, and a few minutes later, I couldn't remember it again. So I did print it off. And another one that speaks to these things that we can see every day in creation. Our Father's wondrous works we see in the earth and sea and sky. He rules over all in majesty from his royal throne on high. The raging winds and waves are calm when he says to them, be still. The heavens praise him in a psalm and the angels do his will. He maketh worlds by his command, weighs the mountains great and high. He meets the waters in his hand and spans the lofty scarlet sky. Our God, to save from sin's control, gave his son a sacrifice. His grace abounding in the soul makes the earth a paradise. So we have all these things around us that declare the power of God and then he throws in there, we can have that personal relationship with him that just puts the cap sheaf on it. You notice what it said in the last verse there? His grace abounding in the soul makes the earth a paradise. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Reigning now above on his throne of love. What a mighty God we serve. I've been impressed with sunrises. Not so much the glow in the sky or the sunsets. Uh, yes, those impress me. But when I see that big orange sun coming up, it just sort of reminds me of an egg yolk when some, in some cases. And I think, what, what's holding that in its place? How does that thing keep doing like what it does? Because it follows the command of God. And then I think, you know, we're, we're on something stable. We're on land. We're not attached to anything either. Oh, the land didn't attach to anything either. And it just keeps on going. I don't know how people can see those things and not recognize that there's an almighty God holding these things together. Astronauts go to the space, go into space, or even to the moon, and they come back most of the time. What would happen if magnetic north 
would somehow move a couple degrees. It would affect a lot of things. How far would you have missed it, John, if y'all were coming back from Indiana and and the compass was off three degrees? <laughs> Seems very inconsequential, but it's the the farther you get from the starting point, the farther apart you get. Someone said this, man without God is nothing. God without man is still God. We face situations beyond our, or we may face situations beyond our resources or reserves. But you're not going to face anything that's beyond the resources of God. Nothing is too big for God to accomplish and nothing is too small for him to use in accomplishing it. I probably got to that plenary a little bit too early because, you know, we think about Job and I'm going to read some things that Job said, that Job recorded you know, we think that Job was a pretty wise man, right? But when I look at what the New Testament says, Job was being carried along by the Spirit of God when he wrote down what he wrote. God gave Job some tremendous insight. And if you want to, you can turn to Job 26. There was a couple of verses in here that struck me. In fact, the one was pointed out to me a good many years ago by Raymond Shank. Uh, Raymond Shank and I think or thought a good bit alike in some areas. And the verse that he pointed out to me was, He binds up the water in his thick clouds, yet the clouds are not broken under it. And I'm going to open up a few figures here after a little bit in the weight that's up there in those clouds that are not broken. Uh, that's verse... I want to start reading at verse 5 of Job 26. The dead tremble, those under the waters and those inhabiting them. Sheol is naked before him and destruction has no covering. He stretches out the north over empty space. He hangs the earth on nothing. He binds up the water in his thick clouds, yet the clouds are not broken under it. He covers the face of his throne and spreads his cloud over it. He drew a circular horizon on the face of the waters at the boundary of light and darkness. The pillars of heaven tremble and are astonished at his rebuke. He stirs up the sea with his power, and by his understanding he breaks up the storm. By his spirit he adorns the heavens. His hand pierced the fleeing serpent. Indeed, these are the mere edges of his ways. Just a little glimpse of who Almighty God is. These are the mere edges of his ways. And how shall a whisper we hear of and how small a whisper we hear of him. But the thunder of his power, who can understand? 
So this morning, there's a lot of things we could go to about the power of God. And I told you up front that this is more of a physical uh, demonstration of the power of God. So I want to go through a few things here. So two weeks ago, we were in desperate need of rain. At least we thought we were. Ground was dry. You had corn like this. And you had corn that was still in the ground that had been planted for three weeks plus. I went out and dug up some kernels. And in a space, I dug up four kernels. Two of them had little sprouts on it that were shriveling up. And two of them looked like the day we took them out of the bag. We didn't know what to expect. Well, starting that Monday morning, which was tomorrow will be two weeks ago, we started getting rain. And you see, I'm human enough, I still had some fears. Because the reason some of those kernels had sprouted and were perishing, because we got some rain. About a tenth and a half. Enough to reach some of them and make them swell up and sprout, but not enough to make them grow. And it didn't reach those others, so they were still dry and okay. So I was just rejoicing when I heard we had eight-tenths of an inch of rain. Because I felt like that was enough to make some things grow. Well, it rained. Then it rained. And it rained. And it rained. And, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping Nathan gets some more rain, too. And I haven't prayed for it to stop, okay? We're somewhere past eight inches of rain in the last two weeks at Mount Solon, Virginia. Now, in that first week, we got about five inches. Somebody just up toward the mountain from us, and you could, it's less than a mile, got over eight inches. We even got an inch of rain last evening. Down the road at Sangerville, which is about three miles, they got two inches. We've been blessed with rain. But when I look at what Job wrote about God binding the water in that thick cloud and it doesn't burst under its weight, I don't understand that. I mean, yesterday it rained pretty hard and ran some, but most of that rain didn't run very far because it was spread out over a good period of time. So, Raymond told me one time about how much rain or water it took to put an inch of rain on Rockingham County, and some people thought, well, he must have lost his mind to be figuring that kind of stuff. Well, I must have lost mine too. So, um, because I did some figuring for Shenandoah County, and I did some figuring for those seven inches of rain that fell on our farm. How much does water weigh? Somebody from school, how much does a gallon of water weigh? Okay. 
what I came across was 8.34 gallons, 8.34 pounds per gallon of water. So you put one inch of water on one acre of ground, it takes 27,154 gallons for one inch of rain on one acre. That's 226,000 pounds if you're figuring that way. Well, one acre. Shenandoah County is 512 square miles or 327,680 acres. One inch of rain on Shenandoah County takes 8,897,822,000 gallons to put one inch on Shenandoah County. So you take a truck that can haul 6,000 gallons, and they probably can haul a little more than that, but I just used it for these figures, which is 50,000 pounds of water. And you figure a truck at 65 feet long, how long a line of trucks is it going to take to put one inch of water on Shenandoah County? My figures are right. It's going to be a line of trucks, 18,256 feet long. God can put that inch of rain on Shenandoah County in one afternoon. It would take a line of trucks stretching from Strasburg, Virginia, almost to Salt Lake City, Utah, to put a tenth of an inch on Shenandoah County. So in the last two weeks, we've received seven inches of rain plus at the farm. And so I used seven inches so that I wasn't exaggerating here. So for one acre, it's 190,000 78 gallons or 32 truckloads of water per acre in two weeks. We think we're putting a lot of stuff on when we're hauling manure and we put one load per acre. That would be about four-tenths of a mile to get those trucks in to haul that. For the whole farm, 19 million gallons plus or 3,168 tankers stretching about 39 miles. Not quite as far as from here to, what about what, here to Harrisonburg? A line of trucks to haul that water on our farm to do what God did with no effort. Don't tell me we don't have a mighty God that we serve. Now, like I said, this is physical, and I'm not minimizing the spiritual. I'm not going to go there much this morning, but I want to read some from um, Isaiah, I'm sorry, Psalm 145.
I want to start at verse 3. And it says this, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and His greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise thy works to another and shall declare thy mighty acts. I will speak of the glorious honor of thy majesty and of thy wondrous works. Excuse me. And men shall speak of the might of thy terrible acts, and I will declare thy greatness. They shall abundantly utter the memory of thy goodness, of thy great goodness, and shall sing of thy righteousness. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and of great mercy. The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works. All thy works shall praise thee, O Lord, and thy saints shall bless thee. They shall speak of the glory of thy kingdom and talk of thy power to make known to the sons of men his mighty acts and the glorious majesty of his kingdom. Thy kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and thy dominion endureth throughout all generations. The Lord, let's stop there and drop down to Psalm 146. Praise ye the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. While I live, I will praise the Lord. I will sing praises unto my God while I have my being. Put not your trust in princes, nor in the Son of Man, in whom there is no help. And that Son of Man there is not talking about our Lord, okay? Verse 4, he, His breath goeth forth, he returneth to his earth, in that very day he, his thoughts perish. Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God which made heaven and earth, the sea and all that therein is, which keepeth truth forever, which executeth judgment for the oppressed, which giveth food to the hungry. The Lord looseth the prisoners. The Lord openeth the eyes of the blind. The Lord raiseth them that are bowed down. The Lord loveth the righteous. The Lord preserveth the stranger. The Lord relieveth the fatherless and widow. But the way of the wicked he turneth upside down. The Lord shall reign forever, even thy God, O Zion, unto all generations. Praise ye the Lord. I want to turn now to Ephesians chapter 3. And I want to start reading at verse 14. And uh, I won't go back, <coughs> go back and read the earlier uh, things to get the context here. I probably should, but I won't. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Do you know God yet? He wants us to comprehend who he is. 
But I can tell you, you won't get to the end of it until you get to glory. Verse 20. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. And I probably should stop there, but I have one phrase here at my notes after that, and I probably should have put it before. The only limits to God's power are the limits that we put on God's power. Let me have a song, please.